0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode number 10 of the Live Free and Die Hard podcast. I am your host, Andrew Coates. getting a little bit more fluid with these things now. And uh, I've got uh, Dr. Jordan Shallow on here today with me. So Jordan and I recently connected through the ether, and we have a lot of mutual friends. And we discovered we're both originally from Newfoundland. So we'll come back to that in a moment. But uh, Jordan's career has been exploding in influence, He's a big, he's got a new flag he's waving, so maybe I'll release these on YouTube videos, but for now, you're probably listening to audio. So he's doing big things on the strength fitness universe as an educator. Uh, and Jordan, of course, is a doctor of chiropractics. He's a strength and conditioning coach, elite, elite powerlifter, and a traveling presenter, speaker, and educator. It's great to have you on. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to finally get this, in the, get this in the books. It's been a long time. Yeah, we've been planning this one for a little while and you were just getting back from shit. You were trapped in Australia, right? Yeah, so uh, March to uh like maybe
1: three weeks ago, four weeks ago. So beginning of September, I was um I was locked out, locked down in Australia. I just had a hard time getting back, so I figured I'd stop and sell the roses over there for a bit.
0: Well, you're back now, so I guess we got a few things we wanted to go over. So yeah, fucking let's jam on Newfoundland. So for anyone listening, um, I don't know. And anybody Canadian I'm fucking praying you actually know where Newfoundland is or the East coast province, this little Island plus Labrador. And there's not a lot of people there. What 500,000, roughly 550,000. And there's only a small handful of what you'd call notable fitness personalities kind of come out of Newfoundland. Uh, you know, uh, well, a famous pro bodybuilder, Frank McGraw is from there. Frank McGrath. He's a, uh, was a long time, uh, part of pretty animal product thing. You've seen him in the bodybuilding magazines. I used to work out with them at, uh, a gym that literally was called global gym. I make fun of globo Gym sometimes as this generic shitty gym, but there's actually a global gym. It's, it's now something else. And, uh, and you're out of there. And then of course we got Jeff Nippert as well, who I've never met, never come across my travels, but I've heard wonderful things about him. So you're the, you're the big up and comer in our universe. Oh God, no pressure, no pressure. Well, N- Nippert leaves some pretty big shoes to fill, right?
1: Well, probably
0: not. They're probably not very large. It's
1: quite a compact. No. You know what? It's funny. I've listened to that guy for ages. And I, for whatever reason, the accent never registered. And then I was with a buddy of mine who knows him well. And it was like, oh, yeah, like you're both from Newfie. And I was like, and then now I can't not hear it. I like don't know how I like I listen to his stuff now. I'm just like, of course. Like that is like he's just about to do like Eyes the by that fucking builds the boat or whatever, <laughs> like every time he does every time he does a video, but yeah, it's nice to, it's nice to have that. Like, you know, I think most people identify Canadians anyways, because I lived in the States for a number of years. Most Canadians just identify with being Canadian, right? Where are you from? I'm from Canada, uh, but within, within, within Canada itself, there's definitely some sub personalities as I'm sure you've seen or identities between like going out West and out East and, you know, Quebec has their thing and Saskatchewan has their thing. And, but Newfoundland is definitely from the accent to the way of life. It's definitely a pretty unique, uh, unique part of Canada that's for sure unique
0: culture absolutely yeah there's a there's a handful of really great young fittest professionals there too and some people actually do hope to get on the uh, a young man named josh sullivan who's got a good reputation so i want to get him on eventually and, and i had mentioned off air uh, my buddy uh, john eric kamamoto who is well like he just has no media social media presence whatsoever just runs his gym and puts his head down and works really hard so there's some good people there yeah, yeah I, I get back. God, once every two years to see my family. Uh, this year was going to happen, given the nature of all the shit that we're dealing with. So uh, I just talked to them on the phone a lot, and they're doing really well. Thankfully, there's actually no COVID cases. I think there's like one active. And they just they've done a pretty good job of kind of stifling it, so no problems there.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a flyover for most people. Like unless you're from there, most people don't. Because I, I always get that say, everyone's like, "Oh man, I, I took two years when I was young. I traveled right across Canada." And everyone, no one gets on the boat. No one fucking goes to Newfoundland. They get to Nova Scotia and go, yeah, I think I see it. And that's it. Um, So it is definitely the road left traveled. So for for better, for worse now, it's, it's, you know, a pretty easy way of life during all this, I think. I would imagine there's communities in Newfoundland that that you get out to Clarenville. Like, I'm pretty (laughs) sure no one's wearing a
0: mask in Clarenville. No, fuck no. All I was like, well, you said your family, part of your family was from like the Grad Falls area, right? Grad Falls is not that tiny, but you get these little offshoot communities. The, the place that I actually went to school in is a town of 500 people up, hidden up north. <laughs> there's, there's no fucking virus up there. No. <laughs> no. Tw-
1: Twillingate, Newfoundland does not have does not have COVID. I guarantee you, unless COVID affects the whales in Twillinggate, like there's nothing in, there's no COVID in Twillinggate.
0: Anyway, for anyone who doesn't know Newfoundland, I apologize for our little jaunt into it. Uh, but uh, I suppose one of the things I really wanted to get into, a lot of the stuff I tend to talk about, we've got a lot of fitness professionals to this podcast, a lot of enthusiasts, but a lot of people who are trying to build the brands, uh, grow their businesses, just I mean, I'm, and it's funny because like you listen to people who talk this sort of stuff and they usually they're selling some sort of funnel or mentorship or, you know, business coach. Stuff. I don't, am not fucking interested in that shit. I just like talking to the people I bring on, but I definitely was interested in, you know, kind of how you built, especially for a fairly young guy, such an influential educational brand I mean, and quickly. Uh, and how did you approach being, becoming an educator? Why that route?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a good question, man. Um, there's a few like there's a few roads we can take, I think. Cause like all none of it was planned. I think that's first and foremost. So any information I'm going to divulge is all retroactively looking at what I did and like what got me here. It was never like, oh, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this. It's like wake up this wake up every morning and go, okay, what's coming through my windscreen? Um, I think one of the biggest things that helped me was like I always wanted like to maintain like that. I was like an athlete first. And that started as like being a clinician, right? Like I was, I got out of Cairo school. Like I didn't really think about diversification. I just, I just wanted to make enough money and like treat athletes so that we could all be, you know, get out of the treatment room and go in the gym and go get strong and go get big. So that was always kind of like my MO was like, it was just a means to an end. And the, the end was getting back to training, um, so a lot of what I had to do was kind of scale out like a very conventional thought process from my education. Like in chiropractic college, they teach you to treat the bulk of the population, which is very remedial and usually novel in its application. Uh, but I wanted to work with athletes. So I had to kind of extrapolate and usually testing on myself first. Some principles that I thought were a little bit antiquated or I didn't think necessarily carried over to someone with a higher skill set or higher strength level. So I just started experimenting. I would go into a cadaver lab for you know three four hours at the end of class and then i would go from like you know picking apart like some dead dudes pec, and then go okay i'm gonna go train pecs now um and then the next day i would read a few chapters on like peck or shoulder anatomy or rotator cuff anatomy or w- what have you um so that was kind of how it started and then i my first job as a chiropractor was actually uh, at a corporate wellness center for apple at their world headquarters in cupertino so i, I went from like really wanting to work with athletes to basically just working with software engineers, right it was a great job it looked good on paper like corporate chiropractor in, in in california i thought it was pretty neat dude i was seeing like 250 patients a week right like it was every 15 minutes on the minute um so i, I just kind of got sick of it because I, I it was it was palliative like it was it wasn't treatment it was a service like in the same way you'd get like your toenails done it was fucking ridiculous um and then i transferred into like uh, a bodybuilding facility. I was able to, lucky enough to meet Dan Green very early on in my career. I actually met Dan when I was still in school, uh, wow. and Dan was one of my first patients that I ever had. And he had uh, space at a Boss Barbell Club, and I went from you know a cushy six-figure job right out of school and uh, very recognizable on a resume to uh, you know not a dusty old powerlifting gym, but a powerlifting gym tucked away in Mountain View, California, that most people drove past because they thought it was a laundry laundromat. Um, but uh, in working with athletes, a big part of what I did one-on-one just turned into education. Like half of it would just be like, this is what's wrong with you. Like, you know, you squat 800, 900 pounds, like, you know, a thumb and an elbow and a crack and a bend and a snap really isn't going to be what fixes you long-term. So like, let me just show you how your hip kind of functions. And then we'll draw some pictures. And that kind of like led into like, well, I said, well, so if I saw enough people in one week with the same sort of pathology, dysfunction, whatever, All right, like I'll just leave. I just left the picture up on the whiteboard that I drew for them and go, I bet you there's a bunch of people outside my geographical bottleneck that probably have a similar issue that can't find a solution. So I put my cell phone up on a little tripod on top of my treatment table and I started yammering on Instagram and YouTube and started uploading stuff. Uh, And I guess that's really when the education or educator title started was that was people were coming to my page for, you know, and a niche market, but like a very passionate niche market that was otherwise under service. Uh, so I kind of just took it and ran with it and, you know, it was posting to Instagram uh, then it was posting to YouTube. And then that led into, after I started competing in powerlifting, people were like, well, you, do you want to come out and do this meet? Maybe you could host a seminar at the gym. And I was like, I have no idea what that means, but sure. That sounds great. I'll figure it out. Uh, so I competed at the Arnold classic in Australia as my third meet and to kind of bankroll the trip, I did three seminars and documented them on social. And that turned into a few more when I got back. And the next year I went back to the same meet and did nine. And then it's just one thing kind of led to another and we started a podcast and then the online business. And yeah, it's, it's really just a, a just trying to say yes to as much stuff as possible and, and putting as much value out there as I think I can. And now I'm here like, three four years later and I guess that's a title that I would carry I it's always weird like oh yeah he's, he does like education stuff and
0: like looking around going oh me
1: oh I, I guess yeah yeah it's, it's different
0: for sure you probably still think of yourself as a lifter first all this other sort of stuff is bells and whistles
1: I tried to but fuck these kids are getting so strong these days man I just, I got to compete against all the other. That's how I look at it. When I'm on a platform and I compete, like I still love it. I, I love to train. It's my priority every single day. But like, I'm like, all right, who are the other educators out there? Who do I need to be strong? Because like, I can't compete with like the Yuri Balkans of the world on the platform, with Joe Sullivan's of the world on the platform. Crazy squat last night. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, I do it, scratches an itch. Uh, and and it, it helps relay a message, I think, on the education side, because it, it is definitely my priority when when adopting or adapting concepts is like what well, athletes first. That's
0: kind of what I'm all about. That's, I work in a gym that while well, <clears throat> it, it has a straight, uh, powerlifting component, I don't like to think of it as a powerlifting gym. There's a lot of normal everyday people in there, but there's definitely a lot of powerlifters. And you get these 20, 21 year old, six foot two guys who are built like men's physique. Who are doing astonishing shit? They're repping my my squat max. I'm just like, what the fucking hell? And then of course you get all the the, the little Asian powerlifters who are doing just, just astonishing shit. And someone is going to start talking. Wow, they're get two inches of range of motion on their sumo deadlift. Fuck up! They're still holding onto it and pulling it up, right? So, but uh, it's it's really cool to see. There's a lot of young people doing it. Uh, you know, it's it's not all the the bearded, beer bellied Viking looking guys anymore, right? It's it's a lot of a lot of young people, a lot of women. Uh, sport, I know, is growing in popularity. I know that the local federation just had a big meet yesterday, and I was just seeing some of the some of the people who were doing it. And then, honestly, a lot of them didn't even look like powerlifters. Jacked, big people, but uh, not necessarily look like powerlifters. So here's a, a line of thought that I wanted to dive into because I'll come back to some of the career stuff. But whenever coaches, we're trying to you know get our clients strong. I mean, that's the underlying thing is getting people strong but without getting them hurt. So are there any really critical things that like philosophies or approaches you're like, Hey, this is a really key stuff you have to approach every client with to make sure we minimize the chance of getting them hurt. And I'll layer into that. Um, are there any classic coaching behaviors that just add unnecessary risk or popular misconceptions about safely training people? I'll let you just go with that stuff.
1: Yeah, so let's unpack that. So, from like an injury risk management standpoint, uh, I would say the two biggest things that you should start your thought process from, from when it comes to like you know preventing, and again, I use injury risk management because I think prevention is a becomes more of a more of a false flag, especially with the higher caliber athlete you start to work with. One would be basically technique and execution uh, of lifts, uh, and then the second would be programming. So in, in the day to day, in the micro uh, of programming, it's going to be, you know, how you set up, stabilize and execute movements. That's going to likely be your your number one factor. And you could spin off from there into like range of motion assessments and stability assessments and things like that, uh, as, as I often do. But those have to whenever we start to make decisions in the quote unquote corrective exercise realm, they have to be they have to be finite uh, and they have to have a runway of progression that leads back into you know, something that resembles lifting towards the objective outcome. So, you know, when we see, you know, unilateral movements, when we see unstable overhead kettlebell stuff, when we see rotational movements or anti-rotational movements, there has to be a logical sequence in how this is going to improve the biomechanics technique and execution of a lift. If, we, if you can do that for me, if you can tell me the, how this is going to, you know, isolate the stimulus of instability through the rotator cuff, and that'll tie back in better for that someone has a closer grip bench press and the humerus is gonna go through more rotation, okay we've been able to draw that line right and it's and it's not this is not something we're going to be doing for you know years on end uh this is going to be something that has again a finite life span in a program uh whether it's a mesocycle whether it's um you know in in macro cycles it's not something that we're going to have to rely on most people when they start to splinter off into the corrective exercise they can't see the forest for the trees and it's like you know we don't want to be professionals at warming up We want to be, you know, just big and and fucking really strong and all that. So uh, that would be kind of, again, my two overarching would be technique and execution. And then that's where we start to get a little bit more into like breaking down. I like to look at the body's shoulder, hip and spine from the outside in-ish and then kind of rib cage and pelvis from the inside out. Uh, And as we start to superimpose some biomechanical principles that govern each one of these, I always challenge people to create a rule book for the rib cage, a rule book for the pelvis, a rule book for the shoulder, a rule book for the hip a rule book for the spine and even spine you could go cervical thoracic lumbar uh, and, and sacral coccygeal. is just kind of like well keep your finger out of there but mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people develop these systems way of this these these systems that are just an overarching rule book for the body without taking into consideration structure function relationships now the hip is different than the shoulder and so on and so forth so um we try and you know, it, it's it's hard because it's difficult. Like you're the human body have of no obligation to make sense to you, right? So people are like you're overcomplicating. I'm like we're chimps with universes for brains. Like fuck you. But this is the level of this is the level of complexity that this topic really requires, right? Because at some point you're not addressing ascending spinal cerebellar tracks or premotor like primary premotor cortex. Like you're not you're just out there fucking jerking off in the gym. Like this is not uh, this is not actual training. So. You know, to to put a finer point on 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 the on the answer to the question, when it comes to injury prevention, injury risk management, your biggest assets are going to be technique and execution, and then proper programming. Um, you know, fatigue management could easily be tied and to injury, uh, injuries uh, appear. Uh, so on the on the back side of that question, common practices that I see a lot. Um, just a misunderstanding I think of the stimulus of instability is probably one of the, one of the most, uh, it's like cool, to shit on unilateral work now. And it's like, again, people don't have a fundamental understanding of how the nervous system works. So a lot of people, and I I think it comes down to people don't really understand the study of biomechanics because I sat in a lecture hall and Marty Frazier was one of my biomechanics teachers, professors, And he just started drawing free body diagrams and stick figures. And I think this is the problem when people are thinking that they're making all these, you know, conclusions based off biomechanics. Because they think that's biomechanics. That's not fucking, are you serious? That's two dimensions of a four dimensional creature being, right? Like we, we exist in three dimensions of movement and the dimension of time. You're giving me a snapshot removing time and two dimensions of movement like fuck you like that's not biomechanics and they could sit there we'll, we'll, well the relative torque in the moment and mercury's in retrograde and therefore like what no fuck that's like the nervous system is like it's it's like i always make the comparison if you've ever seen lightning strike something right it's understanding how we prioritize recruitment through passive least resistance of the nervous system like we're just fucking binary like uh, electron switches ones and zeros like it's just electricity that drives the thing and it's you know it's like an old christmas tree it's the one of the things that in series and a bulb goes out it's going to totally fucking knock the rest of the lights out so knowing how to assess for paths of least resistance understanding the role uh again where it fits in in a mezzo or a micro meso macro uh point of view of unilateral movements and then also know like when to fucking drop the hammer you know like it's you're you're six weeks out for a meet man like you're probably not going to be doing a lot of like single leg RDL, you know, unilaterally loaded Bulgarians. Like you're probably going to be squat bench and dead. And I think those camps have been so divided for so long that there's, you know, someone's over here with a top knot and no shoes on doing fucking animal flow. And then there's, you know, the guys who need fucking four wheels on their back just to hit depth. And it's just eh, like, you gotta have some middle ground there. So I think that's like a, one of the, one of the big things uh, when I see common, um, just on both ends, right? Like the, the guys who are, who are mobile and not strong, uh, the guys who are strong and not stable. Like there's the, there's a lot of just misconception based off of identity. Like I am a, I am this way in training. Uh, so this is what I believe in. And it's like, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm just going to say, Hey, look, here's how the body works. You, you take with it what you will. Like I don't teach a system, I teach a systems way of thinking and, and you guys can go ahead and you can apply that to Strengthening, addition, you apply that to uh rehabilitation, whether it be chiropractic, physical therapy. um You can apply it to your own lifting if you're an athlete. But
0: like, don't hate, don't hate the fucking messenger, man. This is just how it works. I hope I, I'm kind of picturing now anyone who's not driving. Pretty god, they're not doing this. Is like reaching for the phone, like shit. I'm following this guy. This guy's fucking hysterical. And they're going to follow. Him. So yeah, go find him. We'll we'll hit on that again after. But <sighs> audio doesn't do a lot of these biomechanical and movement training concepts a lot of justice which is why I don't often venture into them as much as a lot of philosophical or you know career based types stuff for, for the people listening And that's why you know when I get you Dow you us, Sam Spinelli right Sam is a brilliant fucking human being with the stuff or, or Mike Isertel it's like, hey, go watch the videos that they're putting up on their YouTube channels or the quick snippets on Instagram because you're going to get a lot more out of that. Uh, so a lot of times this is actually just introducing people or refreshing people on someone who has all this knowledge. Because we can't even scrape the tip of the iceberg in terms of the stuff you put out there in the educational universe in an hour talking online and having people listening while they're driving on their, you know, their way to work. So, you know, guys, I really actually, guys and girls, I hope you guys really do seriously go in and dive into what Jordan is doing with his other work. Um, I, I know that there'll be a few people listening who've actually seen you present in person. Um, I'll mention this to my friends. I'll shout them out. Uh, Brandon Elric and Taylor Temple. They're a couple of trainers and Taylor's the manager at the, the Good Life in Terwilliger here in Edmonton. And I know that you've presented there. You've been here, uh, I think you've been here a couple times now and presented. So yeah, next time you're coming back, as long as Good Life will, will let me jump in, if you do it there, I'll see if I could talk my way into coming in and uh, and, uh, and and enjoying it, right? So that'll be kind of cool. So yeah, so the, you know, one of the reasons why I got onto you is, you know, you had talked to my friend Dean Guido, my former co-host on his side project, or uh, right now his main one, The Pump. And uh, and of course, Taylor and Brandon have been talking about you. And you know you just kind of pick up on people through the ether because I'm not really in the, the strength sport universe. I have a lot of friends who are, but I've never competed. I mean, I'm a big dude. I'm 6'2", 260. But my totals would be pathetic on a, like a, a, certainly on a world stage when it comes to big lifts. And my left shoulder just doesn't love benching anymore. So I, I just keep it as dumbbells or whatever. But, uh, but I still admire the hell out of people who are strong. So I, I don't tend to spend... An obscene amount of time. Um, in fact, there's probably very few true powerlifters that have ever been guests on the podcast for whatever reasons. And there's some brilliant people, like Mike Tushare, is brilliant. But uh, I just—it's so hard to actually keep track of every fucking person who's out there educating and doing really cool stuff, and their careers are growing. And you know, I, I think maybe it's just like, oh, that that person, the powerlifter. Okay, cool. Well, I'm not going to wander off in that territory. But you seem to have broken beyond just the strength sport universe into into a career that's, you know, uh, educating, again, mainstream fitness professionals, right? If you're showing up at a, a, you know, a commercial gym and teaching personal trainers, then that certainly is growing beyond it, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was always a guy that just did powerlifting. I was just lucky that my first coach and training partners were the strongest guys in the world. Like you figure it out pretty quickly when, you go into a gym and your training partners are Dan green and Andrew Herbert, Emily who, and Christy Hawkins. Like on most Friday nights, I'd finish up. We'd have like, we would have team session at Stanford. So I'd finish up uh strength and conditioning up at the university. And then I would come back to lift around six or seven. And I would be one of, I'd be the only person in the gym that didn't have a world record in lifting. <laughs> so it's just like, I remember going to my first meet. I competed. Uh, it was like four or five years ago now. And it was just like a backyard meet kind of thing in Santa Cruz. And I was worried that I was going to get dusted. Like, I was like, oh, man, like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to get my ass kicked. I'm to wear the stupid singlet. Like, that's like dumb. And they're like, are you serious? Like, dude, you're going to win this thing running away. <laughs> and I think at the time, my total was like uh, 17, 20 or something like that. And like, that was my first total at that meet. And I got so used to like Dan stepping up after my last top set and then hitting three more ascending warm up sets and then his top set is like, oh, OK. Uh, but yeah, it was always something that like I was just like I grew up playing hockey like most people and I played like at the junior level and you know, I just liked competing in anything. Um, so I definitely tried to shy away from as much I could the identity as a power lifter. Um, because, A, I just knew, like, you know, I was served this, like, hearty serving of humble pie from the second I walked in the first powerlifting gym. It's like, these guys are insane. Um, and then, two, it's like, all right, well, if I can't be the best at that, what can I be the best? I was like, well, maybe I can try to be the best, like, you know, strength and conditioning coach, chiropractor, and powerlifter, and kind of draw from all three of these and, and allow it to kind of look through this. this sort of what I think to be like a unique kaleidoscope of perspective uh, at some of the issues that, you know, patients face in a clinical setting or athletes face in a team setting or lifters face in a gym setting. Um, so that's, yeah, that's kind of what I did. Cause like I saw the powerlifting writing on the wall very early. It's like, this is not going to the top. <laughs> like this elevator stops far before the top floor. Uh, but yeah, I, I, try and, and, and make it cause I, I think the concepts, if I can make them palatable, the, the impact, and that's kind of what I'm after now is like, how can we create like a meta impact where we used to go right, like a B to C, right? Like I used to go right to the consumer. I used to do seminars in powerlifting gyms with 30 people that just wanted to bench more weight. That was it. Or their shoulder hurt or their knees hurt or their hip hurt or whatever. Um, but now it's, you know, we're, we're lucky enough that we get to coach coaches online uh, through our level one curriculum and other courses we have uh, and then in person with contracts with good life fitness and ultimate performance where now if I teach a trainer that trainer could apply these concepts across you know however many sessions a week a year and throughout a career and we can kind of have a meta impact from there Um, so I I was always kind of prioritizing that uh, kind of above all else Uh, and yeah I don't know when people ask me what I do for a living I don't know what to tell them.
0: That's awesome. um, I suppose I I did say I wanted to kind of pull it back into the career stuff, and you certainly went there. I think a lot of people listening, they're struggling with various I I like to put a lot of this stuff on my social media, you know, they deal with imposter syndrome. I get a hint of that with you. I get a lot of confidence, but I also get this like subtle hint of like, how the fuck am I here after three or four years doing all this stuff? His eyes just went wide, so that's an obvious yes. So, you know, let's jab on imposter syndrome. Like At what point, if at all, did that sort of thought sort of pass from you where to think you're like, yeah, like every time when I present, you know, I feel like I belong up on this stage. I really know what I'm talking about. Or is it still like, how the fuck am I here? And and how did you work through that process? Yeah,
1: that's
0: a good question, man. Um, I don't... uh...
1: I was taught when I got into school to practice how you want to practice. And I didn't really understand what that meant for the longest time. I thought it meant just do whatever the fuck you want. But I kind of realized once I got into clinical that it was like, no, no, no. Like actually practice in the way you would practice playing guitar or practice, you know, playing a sport, how you want to practice, which again, like if you don't understand like the the subtle nuances and context of those two words, it might get lost in you. So I was like, I always made sure that, you know, if I didn't know something I would tell someone. So I never dug myself into a hole, but, and which is like, you could fill a very large room with the stuff I don't know. Um, So I think what allowed me to operate with a decent amount of confidence was just knowing where my boundaries were. And then if they were crossed, just going, throwing my hands up and going, I have no idea. So the things that I do say that I'm like, look, I'm pretty sure, like I've seen this, you know, uh, like a lot of the confidence I think comes more from experience, but you got to kind of fake your way to the table, man. Like, I, like, I did some some strength and conditioning work uh, in an internship fashion in my undergrad. But, you know, I kind of, like, I dressed that up a bit, my interview at Stanford. Like, you know, I'm walking down the hall and I run into Condoleezza Rice to the hallway. That's probably was probably my biggest, like, what the fuck am I doing here thing? Or, like, one of, our, one of our girls on the team, her father was, like, a very prominent... And, like, I don't even know golf, but I knew who this fucking guy was. And that was kind of a moment of, like okay, all right, you better, you better pull your socks up. So I think, you know, if you expose yourself to like, to what degree you can handle the exposure to that, like right on the edge of competency, when you reach that same relative moment, again, you feel a lot more confident and you push that envelope further. Uh, Like my first job was a huge fucking kick, not a kick in the head, but a huge, like, you know, I, I need to wear corduroys to work now. I don't even know what corduroy is. Like I need to wear glasses because I, I offend people visually when I walk into a corporate wellness center in the middle of the Silicon Valley. Um, so it was really about like, all right, just, just graded exposure to situations where I was just at the cusp of my, like my required, uh, Uh, competency I would say my required competency for the room I was in like that saying of like you know if you're the smartest person in the room it's like well coming out of like Cairo school and then sitting in a meeting with uh, you know physicians in a corporate wellness center that are all Johns Hopkins or you know yes either Sinai or Stanford University and me sitting there as like a lowly bone setter like in the corner with like a, like a protein shake in his hand is like, oh, fuck, this would be good. So what do you think, Jordan? It's like, all right, well, like, this is what I think I know based off X, Y, and Z. And then just more graded exposures of those relatively uncomfortable situations. Like if you put me in a room with, I, I don't want to say just about anyone because you listed a lot of guests that you've had on that would probably scare the shit out of me if I had to speak in front of, but I think the biggest thing is sticking to something. I think a lot of people, because there is so much information, Everyone thinks there's a right answer out there. It's like no, and a lot of people they I think they second guess themselves, and it's like you know you need to come up, especially like in real world application, like you need to come up with like an 80% answer, like this is going to be good 80% of the time, and I need it on the fly, and I think a lot of people are like well he says this and he says this and like yeah but what do you say? what do you what do you think right like and a lot of people don't have enough experience just in their own training because they're constantly left just like switching the fucking channels. like oh i did gvt for three days and now i'm going to go like block or wave or cube or, or dup it's just like can you maybe do this for like six years and you'll you'll know the ins and outs and then just gain some experience from it um but it's definitely it's hard right like the you know, there is there is always and I don't think I ever want to lose it. I be I'd be concerned if the, there was a day that came where I like didn't have that. What the fuck am I doing here moment? Like I was meant to present pre-COVID with Eddie Hall and Ed Cohn at of Yeah. Right. Fuck me. Like, all right. Yeah. Here comes a Netflix special. Yeah. Fuck that. Right. And I was just and I, if I ever got to the point where that was normal, I I'd, I'd go to law school or I'd start something over like I just wouldn't I just wouldn't do this anymore.
0: Oh, God, I know that feeling. Uh, I had a couple thoughts in there. First one is, I mean, you're Canadian and, you know, I, uh, I'm a co-organizer, MC of, uh, you know, this Canadian or Evolve Canadian Strength Symposium, me and Dean Somerset and uh, the owner of um, Evolve Strength, where we both contract, John Chung, we're partners in this thing. We had to shut down this year. Uh, just was no way we could pull it off safely, but... We know, we'll do it in 2021. But one of the things we do is, I mean, we usually bring up one or two Americans, uh, you know, big names in the industry. But we mostly have Canadian speakers, so I'll figure it out at some point, assuming it all works. But I, and now you're on my list of people I probably want to put up on that stage, and that means that you're presenting in front of. Well, let's put it this way: the lineup this year was supposed to include uh, Jonathan Goodman of the PTDC, Christian Thibodeau, Jordan Sait was going to be the one we flew up, uh, Lee Boyce. Dean Somerset himself, Brian Cron is down in Calgary, Uh, Megan Calloway, Sam Spinelli, uh, my friend Hannah Gray, who is here local. And uh, yeah, so that's a pretty damn good list. And uh, I hope I can get the vast majority of that list next year. I'm also going to try to get Krista Scott-Dixon. So anyone, don't quote me as this is the lineup. This is just the people I'm trying to throw in there, right? So uh, anyway, we'll we'll see about that. But uh, I, I think one sign for me that someone is on the right track, especially if they're experiencing a lot of imposter syndrome. You, I don't know how, I guess you get a lot of engagement from your followers. You have a really large following, but I notice with mine, like I share a lot of these philosophical or tech technical ideas, you know, in the training realm. And I get a lot of like people who are like, shit, Oh fuck. I knew that. I wish I thought of that. Right. It's like, cool. You know, you can trust that what you have to say is, better than you think it is it's more relevant than you think it is you know you've learned a lot along the way you're coaching people so you just got to not be scared to put yourself out there and of course maybe you don't have much of a following yet maybe it's not like shit i'm not even at 10k yet that's my goal i'm having fun with that um you know after fucking around with all kinds of shit like the podcast and t nation and just coaching for a long time i finally said okay let's get instagram going this year and it's been a blast but you know let's say someone's got 500 followers Okay, cool. Well, there's still a whole bunch of people who are interested in what you're doing. And if your shit sucks and you're just working on the, the way you deliver it, now's a good time to practice while you don't have as many people. Meanwhile, as you get better and better, the stuff's gonna resonate. And most of the people who are following you, are not following Dr. Jordan Shallow, they're not following Dr. Mike Gisertel. You're their go-to person for fitness. And if you don't put your shit out there because you're afraid Someone's going to criticize it or not like it. First of all, those people don't fucking matter anyway. We, me, and Maddie Fosaro talked about that in the very last episode. You know, you're not creating for the people who don't like you. Uh, just get the shit out there, get better at it, better at it, and by the time your audience grows, you're probably going to be fairly practiced. And this is true of you know, Jordan Side and I jammed on this about his his YouTube stuff. You know, he's got a monstrous following. Meanwhile, he'll say his first YouTube video sucked. He coached Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk's earliest YouTube video sucked, and the guy is the you know, the pinnacle of media content creator philosophy. So when it comes to imposter syndrome, I have also routinely said this, and I posted recently, if you have it, I treat it as a very good sign. I think it means you are someone who's caring, who is trying to get better, and you're on the right track. So um, if I get someone who, oh, no, I've never felt imposter syndrome ever. I I mean, again, I'm sure there's some people, but to me, that's a bit of a red flag. I'm kind of going, hmm, either you're not comfortable enough admitting it, or maybe you're a sociopath. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and there's plenty of those out there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think like, I mean, it, it's, I, I my advice I usually give to people is get out of your own way. It was the best advice that's ever been given to me. Uh, and it was from a friend of mine who was, uh, his name's Craig Caperso, he was a, uh, was a men's physique bodybuilder, did the John Lindsay first uh, classic physique, it was with Cellucor, Bodybuilder.com, And like, he didn't like it. He just knew like it, that, I think he knew fundamentally that what he put out helped people. And he was like, all right, like if I can do this and I know it's like second nature and I can put it out there, I can also feed my kids and I can also help people. It's like that I'm selfish to not do it that way. And I was like, okay. Um, and I still go back, man. Like, I think some of my best stuff was my earliest stuff where I didn't give a shit. I was like, I don't know if any of this is true. I think it's something that works for me. And like, I'll go back and I'll recycle it. Like, I'll go back to my earlier posts and go like, okay, what did I talk about when I was talking to 300 people? now like production quality is all obviously a lot different. We have videographers and editing and lab mics and all this shit. And I'm like, can I, can I re-deliver this in a way and apply logic to it? Like what have I learned in the last five years, six years since I started doing this? And some stuff has changed dramatically and I'll be like, Oh shit, I cannot believe I said this, which is great. And like, I I challenge a lot of people that we, that we teach to like, look, if you still think the same way, like I'll I'll teach a level one course uh, for our curriculum that I developed. And if someone were to take it, we've been doing it for like almost two years now. If someone were to, who took the first one to now take next semester or this current semester is like, this is a whole different course. It's like, yeah, because I read more and I did more and it changed. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely a tough thing to, to overcome. But what's the risk? Like, that was my biggest thing. Like, I used to have to run the risk. If you said something stupid, someone would punch you in the face. And I was like, okay, that kind of sucks. But after you get punched in the head enough time, I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm oh, yeah, a black guy. Explain that one at work. But like, oh, the mean person said someone on something bad on Instagram. I'm like, what? Get out of here with that nonsense. i not give a fuck. Like, here's my address. Come say it to my face. And I think I think that's where, like, you know, I don't want to say the confidence that like, I didn't have, like, the imposter syndrome or still don't, but. I just don't care. Like I just don't care if you think I'm wrong. And like oh and I I I I care I care enough to know that when I put something out I think it's unimpeachable. And if someone thinks they got a hole, they got a hole or they got a problem with me, it's like okay, like text me. Oh, you don't have my number, then you don't have a fucking problem with me. Right. So that's, that's kind of how I look at it, man. And, and if you do become kind of numb, I don't want to say numb to criticism because I think there are some people out there who challenge you to be better and, and think in a different way, which don't ever lose that. But like the, like, Oh, you're stupid or like knee wraps or it's like, all right, all right. Fuck. Thanks, man. Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you next time. Uh, and I think I, I, I don't fundamentally understand how someone could be worried about and this is maybe the wrong way to put it, but like you have to just not care what the mean people on Instagram might say. Like I I have YouTube videos where I've got, I've got death threats from some of my YouTube videos. (laughs) Okay. Like, again, like I'm not worried about it. Like here's where I live. If you want to roll, roll, but like, it's, it's whatever. It's just, it's the internet. It's just this thing that people go in and show their worst side of their personality sometimes. So, I think if that's what's stopping you, like just start putting it out there. Cause I think you'll be surprised, man. I think a lot of people now, especially in the fitness community, like if you can put out things of value because there is a lot of you know good and bad information out there, I think people are are super receptive when you have that like
0: cerebral thought process in the stuff you put out. I routinely point out how complaining about the negative stuff, and the bad stuff is a fucking waste of time, unless it's illustrative and you're immediately also offering something better so you now what are your thoughts on cutting through the noise of all the, the fake lifters in the industry and the influencer bullshit that we know goes on uh you know and and promoting a better more accessible message
1: well you know what man i, I look i kind of look at the I've, I've changed my tune on that i've changed my tune on most most things is like you kind of get older i think and i think they're necessary like you know the I know a lot of people that got into fitness through an accessible medium. I'm like, I'm not accessible. You're not accessible. You're a fucking giant, sir. You scare the shit out of most people. I guarantee you, you go in some neighborhoods, people cross the street, go to the other side of the road, right? Like it's, and like, you know, if you listen to your talk or like, you know, you'd be the first person to give you the shirt off their back, but like, we need, and I think the, the, the inner circle of academics, I think really need to respect this because we wouldn't be where we're at without Bang Energy Drink. You know, every time they're throwing a rave and people are fucking, they got unicorn foam EDM hats on at Olympia. It's like, look, that's the fitness industry. That's 90%. And we're hoping that, ascending from the the, from the the floor of this forest with bottom feeders and fucking scum rise up a few people who can start actually seeing the writing on the wall and go well yeah okay like i understand that maybe like you know dimethylamilamine is essentially meth and i probably shouldn't but like what's going on with uh, uh, periodization and programming. It's like, Oh shit, we got a sprout. We got one, we got another candidate, but it's like, look, the more crap that's out there, the more like they're going to be able to reach people who will ascend up to hopefully where we start to operate and do business. So I really, I, I don't understand like the, the revenge of the nerds culture that comes with smart people talking programming like, Oh, it's, they're selling these apps and it's like five bucks a month and it's like yeah but that's not your customer one might be but look if you know buddy what's their face sells fucking 10 million of these memberships there's 10 million more people that might get into fitness enough to want to take a more cerebral approach so i say rock on man as long as you don't hurt anyone i don't care right and i think a lot of that caring is born of scarcity that they they wish they had and up fuck man i lived out of my car 26 months ago like if you don't have it, it's, like, you're going to attack those who do. It's, like, this is basically fitness industry's version of Soviet Union in the 1920s. Like, it's just, like, all right, we're going to go kill all the people who are productive. It's, like, no, you need those, those people. And we need the same. And it's, again, like, obviously the line on the sand, as long as no one gets hurt. But it's, like, look, so, like, we, we could sit here and we could talk about people in the industry that are, are famous, right, are famous, air quote famous. It's like, Brad Pitt's fucking famous. Right, like If I walk in, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I work with Dan Green. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think he sold me my tractor at Essex fucking Kuboto. Cab- I was like, no one fucking knows who these people are because the fitness industry is so small relative to the population. But we get so siloed in this insular Instagram fucking universe. It's like, look, man, if someone wants to drop 500K on paid spend and get someone into their five buck app and you know maybe they're trading nickels for quarters and they make a million out of it, sweet they're reaching people that would never think to get into fitness and we need those people to start somewhere and hopefully end up at our door someday so i say i say more power to it it's
0: funny uh first of all if you don't listen to much mike isretel it's funny because you channel him in moments so i I, i've decided already at some point in the eventual future i have to put the two of you on a podcast together and just let you you rip because you know like you're you're creeping up there in terms of competing with mike for both just funny and, and, and this is smart shit that comes out of your mouth. So it's actually, that's pretty awesome. I think Mike would get a big fucking laugh out of you. I, have you ever interacted with him before? Talk to him.
1: Never in my life, ever. Like oh. not, we meant to do a seminar with stronger experts when I first started, like real early and then it fell through in Montreal. Um, but he's, and it's funny, everyone I talk to who talks, who knows him goes like,
0: yeah, you guys are kind of similar, similar wavelength." super similar you'd like you a lot so I'll, I'll facilitate some sort of connection and uh, i'll make that happen eventually but uh, you, you made me think about like you're just coming back from australia and you got me thinking about uh anyone who remembers uh z's and chest bra and all these yeah fucking uh these guys in australia it was the aesthetics crowd this is big in australia australia has always been a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of like you know the outward aesthetic of fitness i know it was this is a big thing this is the the company, do um, even lift, which became this big, uh, you know, Pero brand. This is bigger, I mean, obviously Z's is dead and his brother Chess Bras, one of the biggest douchebags that the industry ever kind of pumped out, but they're exactly what we're talking about here. And that entry level stuff that, you know, maybe if they get some 16 year old kid in the gym and uh, you know, all of a sudden he's, all he's doing is bench and curls and he gets a bit older and then he gets a whiff of powerlifting or just breaks away from that stuff it's all a funnel. I mean, I've said the same thing about CrossFit and I don't like ripping on CrossFit because there's a lot of embedded positives. A lot of people love CrossFit as a culture. Yes, we can criticize it for the injury potential, but guess what? Powerlifting people get hurt. Bodybuilding people get fucking hurt. I think the problem with CrossFitters is they have, sorry guys, if you're a CrossFitter, but they have a little bit less of a sense of humor when you poke at them a bit. But how many people do we know? I mean, coaches, how many people who have clients who Are with you because they actually got their start with CrossFit and maybe CrossFit wasn't right for them. Maybe they're still doing it. I have some people who I do their strength work uh, who actually still do some CrossFit stuff, right? And I'm not like, hey, you guys got to stop fucking doing CrossFit. Stupid. Hell no. It's like, great. I've got an awesome client. I'm going to make sure you're strong and, you know, your programming is really, really good. So that way it complements that you perform really well in your CrossFit stuff. I'm I'm not ripping on CrossFit to them, but CrossFit's an amazing thing for getting barbells in hands and more boots in gyms. So, don't just waste your time complaining about all the things that are bad or you think are bad and like i'll rip on certain things in a sort of a clever way i just had a post about detox tea that's just an easy one even i said that's low-hanging fruit you just fuck with that shit and i guess some lady came in there and she got what like super nuts about it and she was saying she was a naturopath and i'm like well so i looked at the stuff there's no trace of being a naturopath so she lied about that eventually she backed off of that thing and then because I checked all these things she told me to look at, like her Facebook. Oh, it's, it's not on my Instagram. It's not on my webpage. It's on my Facebook. It wasn't on her Facebook. Oh, now you're stalking me. No, you're in my wall. Keep responding. I'm checking your fucking, your bullshit. And eventually she just deferred to saying, well, my belief in God, blah, blah, blah. I was like, holy hell. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're out. Peace. Meanwhile, the lady was boosting this post with all her comments and more people shared the hell out of it. So it's like, hey, keep it coming, right? So yeah, you get a few whack jobs here and there, but by and large, I think most people are actually pretty well-intentioned. And, you know, I, I mentioned sort of the, the fake plates or fake lifter stuff. Um, and I don't like ripping on this stuff. You get guys like Brad Castleberry and fuck whatever. He's still the same sort of thing we're talking about. He's entertaining young guys. More people are lifting. Cool. Um, I don't take him too. seriously. guys are freaking beast anyway without the fake plates. Or allegedly, what Jeff Cavalier got busted for fake plates. You <laughs> love that. So good. Smart fucking. Oh, I don't know if I agree with everything he says. But, you know, he's a major educator in this space, too. And if someone's listening to a lot of Jeff Cavalier, they're probably finding you. They're probably finding like fear monger.
1: Fuck that guy. What? He's a fear monger.
0: Okay, so, see, I don't even he's pay attention. To...
1: Fuck that guy. No, yeah. <laughs> fuck him all day, every which way, twice on Sundays. Like, are you serious? No one comes to your page and stroke you 165 pounds soaking wet. What are you trying to prove you're 405 dead? Get out of here with bullshit. Oh, don't do this. It'll give you fucking shoulder cancer. It's like, yeah, maybe you should live with fake plates. Sorry. Cause he's, cause he's, operating in my space, right? Like, look, when you go niche into like physical therapy, chiropractic, and also try and cross over, it's like, you have my attention. You sir are in my fucking lane. <laughs> and if you're not moving fast enough, or if you're driving around on a fucking hollow chassis, you're going to get fucked up. So like, I usually don't call out people. Like, There's people I, I follow just cause I think they're silly. But with that, it's like, that's an egregious overstep. Like that is that to me is like, what are you doing? Like, why are you in fake plays for 405 deadlift? Like just lift 405, like any 16 year old kid. And all this stuff is fear mongering. that's what I can't stand is there's a culture being born of this kind of clickbait that's creating musculoskeletal hypochondriacs? And I got to put these fucking snowflakes back together. And it starts with between the ears. It's like, I love, I I grew up in Windsor, Ontario. Like I can go out my front door and just see like a button not my front door. Exactly. But I walk a few blocks and I can see a meth head or two. And it's like, the the human body is so resilient. Like, look at this meth monster, like breaking into cars, 80 pounds. Like the human body is insane. Like you, Oh, stop doing it this way. Red X Jeff Cavalier, fake plates. Fuck off. Yeah. No, sorry. I had to jump in on that one. I I can't let that slide.
0: Well, I, I, I love it, too, because I like the honest... Every once in a while, we get a guest on here. Funny, I'm talking about Mike... What's Mike, uh, tore, uh, fucking, uh, Jesus, uh, Lyle McDonald, a new one, and had some horrifyingly scathing shit to say about Lyle. Now, I don't want to jab Good on Lyle. But I, I'll, I'll say this publicly, because I actually... Lyle actually, like, without even knowing who I was, someone shared one of my memes, and Lyle actually had some scathing shit to say. Didn't know the fuck I was, so I just responded to him and was like, this is, you know, exactly what I've heard everybody say about you. You know, that, that's a human that I will never put on this podcast because no matter how smart you possibly could be, the fact that you are such an asshole to almost everyone you interact with, like anyone I put on this podcast, I'm endorsing them. Now I've made probably well one major mistake with an old guest. Anyone who's really in the know probably knows which one that is. I won't say it. And there's probably one other one that's like notorious for kind of being an ass for any interacting with anyone who doesn't agree with them. So I'm very, very careful and thoughtful with who I put on the podcast. In fact, I kind of have a rule. Let's say I really know someone's reputation or just powerful recommendation. You know, someone pops up, I get asked, hey, can I be on your podcast? I'm like, "Uh," usually I like wait six months before and I follow your shit and whatever. And then the person doesn't even follow me to see what I'm about. I'm like, all right, fuck, you're not interested in me. You just want to promote yourself. Fuck you, go away. Uh, But if I put someone on here, I've got to know that, you know, if some trainer is following, maybe they're in the first year of the career and they're a little scared, reach out and they look at someone like you and like, you're a larger than life personality like, Oh my God, like I'd be annoying him if I messaged him and you comment and ask a question on the, on the wall. Like, I know you're not like that. You're going to turn around and be like, well, you know, Hey man, like, Oh, thanks for messaging. Uh, here's blah, blah, blah. Here's blah. you're not going to be an ass to them. So I can't put someone in my stamp of approval on someone that I have a lot of information that suggests that they might be a complete fucking asshole to a, a follower of mine who trusts me. So that's kind of one of the, the ways that I, I work with who I put on here back to Jeff. I, and I ultimately think what you do is despite you know, the, the nasty shit, I think you just compete by putting up better information and growing your brand and reaching more people versus quote whining about some asshole who's, you know, doing a shitty job. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, this is the first time I've actually ever spoken on a podcast or anything about him. It's just, it's just like, all right, well, I might as well. I, I just, I can't, because it infringes on my professional ethics of, like, this is, you're, you're masquerading on YouTube as a physical therapist and you're creating, because it's not so much, again, like, I think the meta impact is that what I'm concerned about. Like, because his following, I would imagine, similar to mine, Creates a different different ripple effect than someone else. Like I don't know if you know Omar Esoff. Like Omar is a buddy of mine. Love the pieces. He's actually I think he's actually connected me with the guys over at Evolve, um, and that's kind of how I got connected with Edmonton a little bit. But like Omar, is, he's an entertainer. He's got a great channel. Has great guests. I love everything Omar puts out. I think he's probably one of the most ethical people I've ever met uh, in the industry or otherwise. But like Omar's audience is like, you know, kids that are getting into fitness, he's leading them in the right direction, he introduced a lot of resources. But that I would say that's kind of B2C, where it's like, if I'm a physical therapist coming out of school or a chiropractor coming out of school and I see that this guy's a physical therapist, I could parrot what he's saying to an audience that likely isn't going to be going on YouTube right? Like some 50 year old man comes in, he wants to get Jack. Now all of a sudden he's having a negative meta impact that's spreading unwarranted fear without context. And like, that's where I really start to step in. And it's like, look again, like we're resilient creatures. Stop doing this right now. Oh my God. Call your friends. Like you better get your affairs in order. If you do a lateral raise, you're going to like, fuck man. Like, and then on top of that, like you know, just to see that disingenuous uh, behavior being manifested by a fake plates is just uh, uh, you're you're off the team homie. Like, sorry, man, I can't. I, I can't. And, but that's the thing. The, the anecdote to a bad idea is a better idea. Right. I literally have muse accounts that I follow. There are people out there that I follow that are in this space and I'm not, and I'll, I'll, I might tell you after, but I don't want to become any more inflammatory than I'm already being that I follow just to see like, okay, what is their thing? They, they're perpetually putting out what I think to be misinformation. And they're, they're like my, my motivation or my muse. Like, Oh, he thinks that, that is so 1974 that I'm going to do a post about this. And I don't go like, this is dumb. This is, this. I just go, here, try this. I don't give any other negative co- context or anything like that. I go, you know, if you're having knee pain, maybe we should do this. Not like this is stupid, do this instead. Um, but yeah, like it's just, it, it, it's hard to, to see like uh, knowing how that meta impact can affect the end user is, is a pretty frustrating thing to see. And when you start to see devices like that and look, human beings are human beings, right? Whether it's shreds, photoshopping, they their. they're, athletes, like, which that should surprise literally zero people, uh, to Jeff using fake plates and telling you lateral raises give you shoulder cancer. It's like, yeah, this is just how human beings operate. I'm sure in any other industry, right? Like if I was into real estate, like can you believe this guy's doing 0% whatever? I don't know. I don't own a house. So that's all I got, but it's just, yeah, it's, it, it's behavior that I think, um, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Right. So that's, that's very telling to me when I see a situation like that, uh, and it confirms a lot of my preconceived
0: biases based off that behavior. Yeah, your integrity is is everything that you do when no one is looking, and that spills into right. stuff that you are. Uh, John, Jonathan Goodman, uh, he's a recent guest, friend of mine from the industry. He recently put out an article through the PTDC, and he highlighted all these sort of tricks as this photoshopping where you can make yourself look more jacked. And you know, he was contacted by someone, some writer for Yahoo, offering to include him in a, you know, top fitness business influencer thing and was negotiating a price that John could plausibly pay to be included in this fucking article. This article is really funny. There's a couple other things too. And it's, it's just about, you know, all this fake bullshit that's out there. But again, John has walked the walk by putting out good information for a very long time. And I think this is one of the very few instances where he sort of goes into that particular tone. And if you're going to take the if you're gonna call it the bullshit, you still have to spend the vast majority of your time creating good information, being positive with, you know, positive messages, positive engagement. And then it buys you the license to then turn around every once in a while and and have a scathing critique of something specific. Otherwise I try to walk a very fine line with that sort of stuff. Um, it's very rare for me. Like I think I, I call it Jillian Michaels for being a moron. I mean, first of all, Jillian's up in that space where we're not in the same space with her. And she would told people not to go to gyms because they were unsafe because she got COVID. Meanwhile, she got COVID because she had a friend come over to her house and do her hair, right? And it's like, fuck off. Plus, you sell home workout DVDs. Jesus, right? So, you know, anyway, we'll move off of that topic. Uh, I want to make sure that everybody knows where to find you. Um, I hope that uh, everybody will take a serious look at what you're putting out there. Because, well, I, I hope you're this funny and on half your YouTube and your Instagram shit.
1: I try to be, yeah. Uh, it's, it, in the lectures, it gets really unhinged because I got shit for 16 weeks. So when we, when we do our lectures with, uh, with the pre-script courses, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of turn it up to another level of irreverence. But uh, yeah, I mean, Instagram, it's uh, at the underscore muscle underscore doc uh, website. Uh, for all the education stuff, is www.pre-script.com podcast itunes and spotify is rx radio like if you want full send into the into the tinfoil hat that's usually where we um and that's, that's right. Really if you ever have any questions i usually tell people to email me or just send me a direct message either on instagram or uh,
0: to my personal personally jordan at the muscle doc.com yeah no i'm definitely gonna be bringing you back that's for damn well sure and uh you know if anyone listening if you are you know finding my podcast through jordan i mean you're already listening to his and you know consuming a lot of his stuff but if you like this one you know i mentioned you know a few people like sam spinelli and dr mike gazertel they've had on recently uh they're in this sort of similar space to what you're in so you know if you want to check out some more of that stuff and obviously stick around it's something that i'm a big believer you know like my social media you know i'll I'll shout it out because i I do want to build more of a following and i'm hoping people are sharing me with more people if you feel like i'm helping you this is to my regular listeners too you know, but it's always earned, right? Like you hear about these things where pods and engagement groups and, and all this sort of, sort of bullshit. And I was like, fuck no, like I, I never, like, shit, I will never buy followers. Like hell. No. Every once in a while you get some sort of porn bot or like steroid, um, account that <laughs> you know, they usually unfollow you after a little while, but you know, it's my following is a highly engaged audience. You know, as of time of recording, it's like 7,200 exactly on the nose. And my goal is to get to ten thousand by Christmas. Meanwhile, you're over a hundred thousand. But no, I, I I believe firmly in creating really really good information and earning it. I mean, you're not where you are because it's a bunch of bunk information and a bunch of people. It's not who the fuck is that idiot Jay Shetty, you know who who uh, Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he's an idiot. Um, this, this monk? Apparently, he may not have actually ever been a monk. I know that. What is it? was it Yahoo or no Facebook, Facebook, sorry. We're pumping this guy out, him and Prince EA. I don't know if Prince EA is legit or not. He sounds cool, but um, so Nicole Arbor. Now, not everybody's a fan of Nicole. I think she's funny. She's a comedian, right? So anyway, she's basically done a couple of videos on exposing Jay Shetty as a total fraud, all these like little quotes and things that he puts up. You can Google them. You'll find them on memes or other people's quotes all over the internet. And there are hundreds upon hundreds of examples. The guy is a, is a, is a, He's a plagiarist is the word I need. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not interested in playing any trickery or, or games like that. Uh, you know, growing mine like You Grew Yours is going to be something that's all about authenticity and integrity. So anyway, if you like it, stick around. I'd love to have you on my media, engage with me, shoot me a message if you haven't, if you're a regular listener. And, but go please support uh, Dr. Jordan Shallow. Uh, this was a real treat to have you on here. Um, and anyone who is waiting for the next episode, I have Lee Boyce up in a week. So, uh, Lee's, you know, a good buddy of mine and I keep bringing him back as well. He's intelligent and fun to have around. And, uh, the last thing I always need to remind people is give me a review. God fucking damn it. If you've been listening for a while, you haven't reviewed my podcast. Give me a review. Okay. You can make it a five star if you want to, but just go and review the damn thing. It takes you a couple of minutes and it helps boost me so more people can find me. All right. Thanks so much for coming on. And we're going to chat a little off here. Sorry, guys, you're going to miss out on the good stuff.